From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with Leva President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Bell. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, Bud, uh, quite a few things to talk to, and we're going to, in our second segment, we're going to go deep dive on uh, a, another one of your favorites. <laughs> you love budgets. Here we go, down the budget road again. Uh, but this time we're going to go down the uh, deep dive on Lincoln Public Schools budget, because uh, that was detailed in uh, Dr. Liz Standish made a nice presentation to the uh, an, or the monthly luncheon of Leba. A lot of information there. We're going to go deep into it here in just a few minutes. Good stuff to help people understand what's happening with that budget. In the meantime, uh, Lincoln Airport Authority, uh, they're gearing up for another uh, United flight soon. I think it's September, if I remember right. Yeah, coming up here just a little over a month. And, and it's exciting because... You remember about a year ago, the airport authority decided that they were going to do some expansion out there, try to create more gates, hopefully to attract other airlines because we had an airline leave and take away some flights. But I'm happy to see United uh, looking at this. And this is good for good for the local economy. And it's also good for business owners who are trying to get to different destinations. So they're going to be going to Houston starting next week or excuse me, next month. Uh, so it'll be good in September when we're able to have that additional flight. You know, additional pla- passengers coming into Lincoln is great for our local businesses and economy, and it's also great for uh, our business travelers who are trying to get different destinations. Well, Houston's quite a, a hub for that southern part of the United States on into South America to the Caribbean. So it really opens up a, a, a less uh, less. Uh, you know, stops and all of it if you're going somewhere. So it, it really is. I mean, you've got now Chicago, Denver, Houston. Those are all United hubs in one way or another. So that's... Uh, and it's great. I mean, like you said, it's great. It's a great hub to get to other destinations as well, whether you're traveling domestically or international. So I think I think it's great for Lincoln. I, I appreciate the airport reaching out and making those things happen. And I'm glad that United is willing to do that. And United announced this week uh, three, they're calling them... Uh, Special flights, they're the equivalent of a charter uh, that's going to make it really nice for some football this fall. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to have flights to Michigan, I think. It was Michigan and Iowa, and they're going to bring in a group from Norman for the OU game. Yep, it's a direct flight, a special flight for uh, Oklahoma City, Lincoln, and then Lincoln, as you mentioned, uh, Iowa City. Well, I'll probably go to Cedar Rapids. That's the closest airport. And then into Detroit for Michigan. So, and as I understand it, you can book those right now at united.com. So, you know, they're taking notice of uh, the type of interest in air traffic or in air uh, passenger miles in and out of Lincoln. Well, yeah, and it's it's great for Lincoln. It saves you a little bit of time traveling. You know, if you'd have to travel an hour, hour and a half each way to get to an airport to fly to those games, it makes it really convenient. You know, and and those those games, those those flights generate revenue for the airport. It's good for the city, all those things. So I'm glad to see it. Love to bring a plane load of people into a Husker football game and what they're going to spend too. Absolutely, bring that bring that outside money. We're happy to let those folks from down in Norman come in and spend a bunch of their money right here in Lincoln. That starts when they land and ends when they leave. While Lincoln, uh, while Liba is a uh, organization of businesses, you also look to some other. 
support in the community and support a lot through the LIBA Foundation. Can you explain the LIBA Foundation and how it works and how it interacts with LIBA? Yeah, the LIBA Foundation was started several years ago, Mark, and, and really the focus is education. And what I'm really proud that our foundation is able to do is every year we give out scholarships to local high school students that are graduating from a uh, a school here in Lancaster County and then that are going on to pursue their education at a community college or state college or university or any college or university in the state of Nebraska. So we're really encouraging those young people to stick around here. Uh, we have some that we give to what I'll say the community at large and then also business uh, students whose parents either work at a LIBA business or, you know, their their business is a LIBA member. And a couple of years ago, we had actually a student that worked at a local LIBA business that received one of the scholarships. So it's a great way for us to support those things. The foundation has been really good at supporting different activities around business and education for young people and having that presence. So it's it's a great deal for the foundation to give back to the community and be able to do some nice things in the community. One of the biggest fundraisers for that is the annual golf tournament. Yeah, we each year we put on a golf tournament, which really helps us fund those scholarships. It's uh, September 2nd. It's always the Friday of Labor Day weekend. Um, we go out to Newmark Golf Course and have a really good time. It's Several of the players always say this is one of the most fun golf tournaments they play in, and they look forward to it every year. It's a great way to have a good time and support a great cause. And you can find out more at Liba.org. I think you've got a foundation tab right there. Yeah, we've got a way on our website. You can get to the foundation or just call us at the office, and we can get you more information. Well, the past couple of uh, shows here, we've been talking about uh, budgets and there, there's more to working with uh, governmental entities than just uh, doing deep dives on their budget. You've had some one-on-one -on -one meetings with some of the people that are involved with making those decisions. Tell us about it. Well, this is one of the important things. When, when engaging with government, I think it's good to have relationships in place to be able to have conversations. And so we have regular conversations with a small group of folks with our city council members. We do it with our county board members, our school board members, members of the legislature, as an opportunity to just sit down and chat. You know, what's happening? What's coming up? Uh, what are the things the council's going to be talking about or the school board or whatever group that it might be? And, and how is that going to impact business? And it it opens up the dialogue to try to have an impact on the conversations that are happening, to be able to be that voice of small business that we've talked about many times on this show. It's really important for us to reach out, have those conversations, and be able to share what the business community angles or issues might arise with some of the ordinances or policies or laws that they're trying to pass. And we just find that as a good way to have an open dialogue. Do we always agree? No. However, it's a way for us to have a conversation, and they understand where we're coming from. We have a understanding of where they're coming from. You know, sometimes they help us become uh, a different side on an issue or move a little bit on an issue. Sometimes we help them move on an issue. Sometimes we find ways to compromise to 
to meet in the middle and have those conversations. So a lot of those things are happening in the background that people just don't realize we're doing on behalf of the business community. And it's not only with the elected officials, elected representatives. You do some deep dives with some of the key staff members, both at uh, these uh, governmental entities, and those just provide so much interaction and explanations and what really goes into the, the nuts and bolts of running a city, running a county, running a school district. Uh, how does how does those how are those relationships uh, really? How do they manifest themselves in positive ways? For us, you know, we you hit the nail on the head. Like we have Liz Standish come every year and talk about the LPS budget at our luncheon. Um, from time to time, we'll have meetings with some of the key staff and administration at LPS and talk about you know here's what we're they they say here's what we're thinking on the budget. Here's where we're trying to go. This is what we'd like to do. You know, we'd like some feedback, different different things coming up. And, you know, a year ago we had some conversations with them and we talked about the levies and they have several different levies because of the bonds at the school board or at the school level. And one of the things we suggested was sometimes when valuations go up, they leave the bond levy the same and it helps pay off the bond earlier because of the things that were happening coming out of the pandemic. We talked to him about, let's just take what we need to make the bond payment lowers that levy a little bit. You know, it's a little bit, it's something. And, and this year it happened again. And so without having those relationships and those conversations, you know, that's, it's a little harder to get to that point and to be able to make those suggestions and, for them to go, you know what, that's a really good point. And so we meet with the schools. We've got a meeting coming up here in a few weeks with the county to talk about the county budget. So that'll be coming up. So our next one, you know, in the here in the near future, we'll be talking about the, the county budget. Uh, the city, what we do every year is we have a group that gets together, uh, LIBA members, and we look at the budget and we, what's this? How's this work? You know, we and we come up with a list of questions and then we reach out to the folks down at, at City Hall and, you know, John Carlson and Sherry Wolf and Lynn Heaton, they've come in and just said, OK, here's all the questions. We walk through those questions. We found things in the budget book where we've raised questions were something that they missed that had to be fixed. And so just to be able to have that open dialogue is really, really important and have that relationship. And so by having that relationship and bringing them in, we can have a conversation. Liz Elliott from LTU came in and talked with us about their budget and how it works and how it's funded. And we've talked about that on the previous shows. So just being able to have those relationships in place to have a conversation is very important and valuable. Again, we're not always going to agree on every single thing. Having a conversation and being heard is really important on both sides. It's it's not just us having to be heard, but it's also for the city or the school board or what have you to be heard. And so it's very important when you're working with government entities, you can't just always walk in and say, do this or else. It's what can we do and how can we make suggestions and how can we have an impact? And those are the things that we're doing, you know, behind the curtain, behind the scenes so that we can be speaking and working on behalf of our local businesses. So it's a discussion rather than a confrontation at some point. Absolutely. It's, you know, I think 
what's the old saying? You get more uh, bees with honey than vinegar or whatever. Well, actually, I think it's flies. Fly, okay, <laughs> more flies with honey than vinegar. But if you don't have that relationship and, you know, think about it just if you have your kids and they're always just yelling and screaming about, I want, I want, I want, you kind of get into that no mode. And so by having those conversations and those dialogues, we have a lot of mutual respect that happens at that table. And we got a lot of great people at the table willing to have a conversation. And that's what's so important for us. We're going to talk uh, Lincoln Public Schools, going to do a deep dive in the budget and also a couple of other items here in just a moment. But if you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business, Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big-ticket items. Whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure and free to use, and it gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com, fill out an application, and Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC. DBA Currency, pursuant to CFL License 60DBO-54873. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. As we continue on this edition of the Lincoln Business Beat, Lincoln Public Schools in their budget process, but Dr. Paul Gausman, the new uh, superintendent, was at his first board meeting uh, actually earlier this week, which is the last for the last full week of July as we're speaking here, and uh, he came uh, up with some. They talked security and all of that, but also addressed the COVID nineteen issue and masks. And he was very upfront about it. He said, we're not going to wear masks, basically. We're not going to require masks, excuse me. And and really made it, if you want to wear a mask, you can wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, you don't have to wear a mask. And I, and, and I respect him for thinking that way and having that conversation and being open about it. Yeah, and, and I listened to that portion of the, the board meeting. And, and basically what they're going to continue to do is the targeted approach that was used at the end of the school year last year. They're going to take it on a case-by-case basis, school-by-school basis. If there's a need, they'll revisit the discussion. And, and you know, at the end of the school year, I think it was the last two or three days, there were two elementary schools that went back to masking because they had this huge outbreak. So that's kind of the, where they're going on this, the way I understand it. So, 
Well, I think it makes a lot of sense to go on a case-by-case basis because what, what works at Northeast High School may not work at Southwest High School or, you know, what works at, uh, you know, Morley Elementary may not work at Irving Middle School. And so I, I think it's a good way to approach it. I think it's a good way to bring it in and have that conversation. And, you know, I was having a discussion with someone that was involved with the school board the other day, and, and their their philosophy was – you know, we have vaccines available to anyone who wants to get it, and, and that's a people's people's personal decision to make that decision, and we're not going to force everyone to do it just because a few people haven't done the vaccine or a portion haven't done the vaccine. So I think it's a good approach to go into the school year, um, and we've seen it throughout the summer. You go out to the store, some people wear masks, some people don't. It's, you know, people are making their own decisions. So I think I think they're headed on a good path. Well, the other thing to, to just remember is even from last school year, which was not that long ago, to be real honest, but a lot has changed. Uh, we've now got it so that anyone six months or older can get a vaccine. That wasn't possible at the end of the school year. We've had uh, seen a, a great uh, results with some of the antivirals. I mean, the president just, you know, had five days. He was on Paxlovid. And he's back to work, you know, not in, out of isolation. So there's a lot of things that have changed in the treatment and the avoidance and the vaccination uh, since we last talked about it. Well, and I think the testing is more available because you can test at home, right? And you right. can you can make a decision. And it, it to me, it's, well, if you're sick, you stay home, right? And that's... Which you should do if you've got a cold <laughs> or the flu. Ironic, or, right? Yeah. So I think it's just, it's it's made people more aware of those things. I just I appreciate the the approach because I know it's a divisive issue on both sides. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, everybody gets to make a decision that they feel is best for them. And he made it very clear that one of the top priorities is to keep schools safe. Absolutely. And, you know, the schools were the safest place around. You know, if you remember a year ago, there was a conversation that if the local dial hit red, they were going to go back to all remote learning. And the school, when that happened, the school district actually said, no, we're going to keep kids in school because it's where they're safe. They are safe. We've proven that we haven't had massive spread in the schools. And for so many kids, just being in the building is so important. It might be for meal purposes, might be for social purposes. You know, having the human interaction makes a difference. So it's, I appreciate that they're they're moving forward with their approach and not sticking with an approach that was their approach 16 or 18 months ago. All right, let's get into it. Let's go deep into the LPS budget. Because Here the, we go. The uh, numbers are starting to come together. The one thing that really surprised me, and I was at the luncheon where uh, Dr. Standish presented the, the current situation, was the fact that state, rave, uh, state revenue or state aid is down significantly. Yeah, and, and, and this is something they just have to deal with. Yeah, and it's one of those... Things where the state has always said, we're going to fund public education, and and now they've pushed it down. A lot of people call them unfunded mandates, and they push that down locally where it's coming through property taxes. But, you know, you look back, and we'll just look back four years, five years, to the 2018-2019 school year, the state aid was $146 million. And this year, it's going to be about $111 million. Now, that's a $35 million decrease in funding from the state. And so the state taking away that aid, 
the school has to still, they have to pay teachers, they have to pay for their buildings, they have to pay for buses, you know, all of those things. And so... And that that's being done while enrollment continues to grow. Yeah. And so, you know, enrollment has gone up. And one of the intriguing things about the way the state manages the enrollment is it seems like if your enrollment goes up, you get penalized and you lose state aid. You have more students, but we're cutting back the aid. And so I I think this is an issue that we hear constantly when we talk about tax policy is how are we going to fund our schools? And I think from a perspective of how do we look to the future, I think the state really needs to sit down and figure out how they're going to make that happen. So it'll be... It'll be a conversation that's always ongoing because you can't have the tax policy discussion about changing taxes, whether you're going to reduce income taxes or do this or do that because it affects the income for the state. How does that then affect the local school districts? So those two, while they seem to be separate issues, are really tied to each other. Let's go into the uh, where does the money come from? Uh, the budget, total budget, uh, they're looking in the what the four hundred and sixty plus million for the uh, for the next budget year. I think year. the next one's going to be you know in that four seventy four eighty range. Yep, we're getting so up into that. We're getting it close to half a billion dollar budget. So where does that money come from? Well, about sixty one percent of it in this upcoming budget is going to come from local property taxes. So um, we've seen a little bit of valuation growth. I think about three percent this year um, from property tax growth. That's that's one of their primary funding sources. And then about 23.5% come from state support, the state aid. And so you can see where locally we're paying, you know, about two to one over what the state's paying. And then, you know, that other, what, 17% or so comes from just some different sources. There's some other local in there, which includes, I think, those bonds and some of those types of things. And then they get a little bit for special ed. And then, you know, they get less than a third of a percent from federal resources. So it's, you know, 0.29% is kind of a rounding error when you're talking about $480 million. So I think that's important for our listeners to know because that's how the schools are funded. And so we start to have those conversations about the state funding formula and property tax relief. We have to have those conversations. And when it comes to that federal uh, dollars, when you notice uh, it's a very small percentage, but then we also hear about federal dollars that came in through ARPA and through other education things. Those are one-time or two-time funds, and they don't really go to the operation of the district on a normal basis. Those are specific things like the uh, catch-up of uh, learning uh, capability from remote learning. Correct. And and it's very specific what they can be used for. Yeah, and so a lot of people say, well, you got, you know, $80 million or whatever it was from the federal COVID funds. And yeah, they did. There's some serious restrictions because it's generally one-time money. So it's not like they can go use that to build one of the two new high schools. It's not like they couldn't fund it, use that funding or those things because... It's kind of an ongoing deal. What they were able to do was provide a little bit more summer school to help bridge that learning gap, which is one of the huge things is what happened and how do we bridge that gap from that basically the last quarter of what was at the 2020, 2019-2020 school year 
you know, that last quarter in 2020 of the school year where kids were remote learning, which I think I would use remote learning in air quotes and very loosely just to get through. And so there's a lot of things that they lost in their learning that had to be made up through summer school. So they were able to add, you know, extra summer school this time to make that happen and some of those types of things. Let's go back to that uh, elephant that uh, where most of the money comes from property taxes. We also hear uh, thrown around uh, the levy, the levy amount, and that also is a factor in determining uh, how much your taxes are increasing or not increasing. Can you just give me kind of the 30,000-foot view of what the levy, uh, how it's changed or if it's changed and, and how that all fits into this multi-level? I mean, on a spreadsheet, this is huge, but the <laughs> levy is one that some people don't totally understand. Yeah, and so there's... The the overall LPS levy is about a dollar and just under a dollar twenty one per thousand of valuation. And so the base levy for the general fund for the school district is a dollar five, which is that's just their base levy general fund. The other things that happen like when we have a bond issue when they decide to build new schools or different projects like that. You know, that's about just under 14 cents. And then we've got uh, an another capital purpose fund, which is about a little under two cents. Overall, the levy is going down, you know, 0. 0.002796 per thousand. It's going to drop it just a little bit. And that's where the money goes or where, where we're paying it to. So we, we have our general fund, so we write our property taxes, a dollar five of it for every thousand goes to the general fund. You know, these building or these bond funds, they have different bonds that they've had over the years. And so some of it goes to this bond and that bond and different bonds like that. So there's a lot that we're paying for in our property taxes that and the bonds are the ones that are approved by the voters. Yeah, so that levy uh, is an important part that you have to take into consideration on uh, this, uh, the, all of these budget discussions. So how much does property tax contribute to that nearly half-billion-dollar uh, projected budget? I think it's something like just under $300 million. Yeah, just right close to that $300 million mark. So, you know, 60% of that budget is going right, right into the – that's about what their revenue is. So um, – the interesting thing about the valuation increases is if if you look back since 2012, the overall valuation in Lincoln Public Schools was about $17.1 billion in valuation. And this upcoming, they estimate it to be almost $28.5 billion. Now, we've had a lot of growth in our city, right? We've had new homes built, new development. You think about... Ten years ago, where areas of town where there's been new development and those kind of things, new commercial property, all of that. So some of that is caused by growth and then the general you know, overall valuation. But year over year, it's going up less than a billion dollars in valuation. So it's, it's a low, low increase in valuation year over year. Uh, move to the expense side for a little bit, and one of the key numbers that people like to look at is the uh, actual comparison to other districts and the amount spent per pupil per year. Well, and you know, LPS spends I think it's about thirteen thousand dollars, a little over thirteen thousand, 
And that's one on the low end of, of per pupil costs that, that are spent in the state. In the state. Um, so I think they're doing a pretty decent job with that. Um, you know, and we look at the expenditures and like with most businesses, one of the biggest expenditures is personnel. Um, you know, 88.5% of this budget is on personnel costs. Teachers, staff, bus drivers, custodians, coaches, advisors for theater and band and all those other types of things. So you look at it, and that's where a lot of it goes. There's about 5% in contract services, 6% in supplies, and that's that's pretty much the, the bulk of the money in the budget. And those other areas are really affected, food service, uh, fuel for uh, buses. That's getting hit really hard right now with inflation. Oh, yeah, the inflation, which we've talked about many times, you know, the, the cost to run a bus is going to go up just because of fuel prices and those type of things. The labor shortage is causing us to have to pay more for bus drivers and different things to be competitive. You know, the cost uh, for school lunches, I know, is going up because the price of food's going up and the supply well, and, chain is difficult, right. too. And the federal government has had free lunches for all schools for the last two years, and that program ended. So that that's something that the district just has to deal with now. Well, and the not only the district, but parents. You know, right. for the last two years, parents haven't had to pay for school lunch, and now they're having to add that. Um, and the, I think the price is going up in most schools for uh, the cost of a school lunch. So there's just a lot of a lot of different things. Things are going up. And, I mean, the overall budget for LPS is going up about 5.8%. The other thing to remember when we look at the LPS budget is don't forget we're adding new schools this year. So, and another one next year. And another one next year. So those costs, you know, it costs to heat a building. It costs to operate a building. It costs to have staff in the building and teachers and supplies and computers and all those so there's there's a pretty good you know i think it's right around five million dollars is what's of the budget you know the increase in pay for the teachers which was negotiated and the staff is about 16 million so when you look at a budget going up where it did it's you know that's where a majority of the money has gone yeah and there's a little bit of increase because we've added some things uh in sports wise uh, i think we've added high school Bowling and uh, girls, girls wrestling. wrestling. Yes, so. um, and th- those are those are great opportunities for young people, um, providing more opportunities so that they can be involved in more things. And I know that uh, up in Omaha, the girls wrestling has really taken off, um, and that sport is growing. And so i I think it's good to offer the young girl, young ladies in our school district that opportunity and. And I know I heard a story about somebody that was there just to make sure that that stayed in the budget and it wasn't they weren't going to walk away from that. And and it was very exciting the a, a parent brought their child with them and the child was just ecstatic that that was going to be part of the program that they could participate in this year. Okay, the 30,000 foot review of this deep dive into the LPS budget. I think they're doing okay on it. Uh, I know they've got some more public information sessions i believe coming up in august yes and then they'll have some testimony uh later in august as well and you know what we look at they're they're not adding a ton of ftes i think they're being pretty responsible they got to open new schools they they've really done a nice job and you know at the end of the day they're lowering the levy a little bit 
And, you know, some political subdivisions don't want to lower the levy. They got to keep the levy right where it is. And, you know, it's a little something. Uh, In this time, we appreciate that they're willing to do a little something and lower those, like the bond rates that we talked about. They're just taking what they need to make their bond payments. They're not they're not taking a bunch of extra because the three and a half percent increase in valuation. So we appreciate that they're willing to do that. And I go back to those relationships we mentioned. We appreciate the relationship to have those conversations. And I think it's remarkable. And I've been doing this part of you know broadcast for a number of years, but I've also been involved. I was I served years ago on a chamber of commerce board. What I'm impressed with LPS about especially is the transparency in this budget process. I've never seen it in any entity as transparent, as open, and discussable as it is with LPS. I would say that I would give LPS a gold star, to use a school term. I would give them a gold star because the transparency, the availability of information on their website, and the accessibility to information is right there. If you want to spend, you know, if you're bored some weekend and want to spend the whole weekend, you can find everything you want to find in that LPS budget. And that's what I appreciate about them because it's hard with some of the other political subdivisions to find even where the heck the budget's posted on the website, let alone to be able to drill down and click into those things. So I really appreciate their their commitment to transparency. Liz is always willing to come out and sit down and have meetings, do the presentations, take the questions. I think that's important for our government entities to engage with the local folks so they understand what's happening. That is engagement. Uh, I heard, listened to one uh, after the Liba lunch, somebody says, you know, that's really uh, transparency on steroids because <laughs> cause those numbers, uh, there, there was no hiding anything. Really, and, it and, is. And answered every question, and there were some tough ones. Yeah, and, you know, and, and she's good with that. Like, she's, you know, they're asking tough questions, but they're good questions. And I think that's important in engagement for business owners to have that dialogue. And I love that Lieb is able to provide that opportunity for our members. And Dr. Gausman now working in his uh, first uh, budget process at LPS. We'll see how well he survives this process. Next up is their strategic plan. I know they're doing a retreat next month to work on uh, the LPS strategic plan, which they would normally do in June. They moved it up to August so he could be involved with it. That's great. Anything else for the good of the cause? Well, I just want to encourage everybody. You know, Liba has been the voice of small business for over 40 years here in Lincoln. And we are here to be out there to watch what's happening and provide education to business owners about what's happening in government and also for government entities to understand what business owners have face on a daily basis. And I think we really struck home with a lot of things. We talked about that today. They can learn more by going to Liba.org or giving our office a call and becoming more involved with Liba. Absolutely. And we'd also encourage you, if you've made it this far in the podcast today and the deep dive into budgets and some other uh, interesting topics, share this on social media because, uh, you know, it's uh, like I said at one meeting, uh, information is a lot like, uh, I grew up as an ag reporter, so understand this, uh, information and money is a lot like manure. It's best when it's spread around. <laughs> Amen to that. Absolutely. So, spread the word. Yeah, share, it, uh, share it on your social media and uh, get the word out. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio. Reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. 
Learn more at GoCurrency.com.